They're speakers, authors, and real-life rock stars, bringing you life-changing thoughts that rock. Taking conversation all the way to 11. Most shows only go to 10. Well, it's one louder, isn't it? These go to 11. To 11. This is Thoughts That Rock. Now, here are your hosts, Jim Knight and Brant Menswar. Take me out to the ball game. Take me out to the crowd. I buy me some peanuts and cracker jacks. I don't care if I ever get back. Cause it's root, root, root for the whole team. If they don't win, it's a shame. Friends, one, two, Three strikes, you're out at the old bull gang. <laughs> Doing that voice makes me gag like I'm going to throw up. I'm sure everybody feels the same way. Oh. Welcome, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us mm. on this very special sports edition of mm. Thoughts at Rock. It is the podcast that is about exchanging two pieces of life-changing yep. advice. We're going to try and do that in about a half an hour. Listen, today's show, mm-hmm. this episode, yep, is sponsored by Black Sheep, baby. Man, I'm so happy for you. Oh, what is Black Sheep? Lay it on us. It is my brand new stinking book called Black Sheep Unleash the Extraordinary, Awe-Inspiring, Undiscovered You. It's a book about discovering what I call your Black Sheep values, those deeply held personal core values that no matter how much someone wants to try to twist or influence you, they simply cannot be changed just like a black sheep's wool. You'd find these things, you prove that they are yours, and you speak these values into existence, and it changes what's possible for you in your life. I believe it. I've seen it. I am a product of it. And I am so excited that this mm-hmm. thing is finally, finally going to be in people's hands. Print version for sure. Ebook? Ebook is also going to be available immediately. Audio? Audio book comes in January. All right. So, yes. Depending on when you're listening to this, it might actually already be available. Ooh. You know, and this podcast is a great way yep. to hear about things like Black Sheep and also mm-hmm. get your regular, you know, your regular dose of uh, leadership. That stuff is free. Well, not yes. the book's free, but the, the right. podcast is free. Listen, if you want something for your team, yep. you know, something that's fully customizable, mm-hmm. we do have this very cool culture and training uh, program. Yep. It's uh, focused on leadership. It's called Certified Rockstar. And if you go to CertifiedRockstar.com, you're going to yeah. see we have a half day, a full yep. day, a multi-day, and a Live with you for two weeks. version. Oh, now you've gone too far. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no. But we can totally do that from a distance. We can. We're, we're thrilled. Uh, if you guys would uh, would check that out, if uh, if that's something that you think you might want to bring to your company. That's it. And listen, there's never been a better time for you to use your old Hotmail address. That's right. Use that Hotmail address. Go to this show. Give it a five-star rating and review. 
and go ahead and put whatever you want because you know you don't use that address anymore and mm -hmm. no one's going to know it's you. Telemarketers and podcast reviews. That's exactly what it needs to be. Get it. it would mean a lot to us. It would help the show grow. It would help us be able to support Cannonball Kids Cancer, which you know this show is all about. We want to be able to help them fund research for kids who've run out of options. So go online. Use that Hotmail address. Give us that five-star rating. And then go visit CannonballKidsCancer.org. Listen, you might actually be uh, working from home. Maybe. We, we don't know. Maybe you Let's face are, it, you're not working. You're not working at all. You're on right? the couch with a bag of Cheetos. Right. You got, you got orange fingers. You're supposed to be working from home, and you're still doing that. That's part <laughs> yes. of the problem. Listen, we, we totally understand. We do. You are doing a couple things at once. Yep. You're sitting there. You're probably listening to the podcast, mm -hmm. but you're also doing something else. Yep. And whether that is, I don't know, getting a shoe shine in a casino lobby. Ooh. Shiny. Maybe you're waiting for a friend in the airport cell phone lot. Come on already. When did your plane land? Or maybe you're still contemplating the ending of Lost. I don't get it. Really doesn't matter to us. We want to be the 30 minutes you've been looking forward to all week. Check Let's it out. do this. Uh-huh. Our guest today is two-time All-Star, two-time world champion, former Major League Baseball great, Johnny Damon. Johnny, welcome to Thoughts That Rock. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. It's uh, great to be with you today. Yeah, we are so honored. I mean, obviously, and you almost don't need any introduction. I know some people, though, are going to jump right down to the show notes and look at your bio, but we definitely just wanted to highlight a couple things. We couldn't jump right in without at least propping you up in a couple areas. First off, Johnny played in the majors from 1995 to 2012 with a couple teams, but most notably, of course, with the Boston Red Sox and Brant, stop, your team. we can end right there. <laughs> he, he, huge fan of the Red Sox, Brant is. Uh, but he also played with the New York Yankees, where he won World Series championships with both of those teams, which the only person to ever do that is uh, a, a guy named Babe Ruth. So, you know. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's right. But who could forget, honestly, that game seven of the 2004 ALCS game when Johnny hit a grand slam and a two-run homer, which honestly propelled the Red Sox not only to the World Series, but eventually their first championship since 1918. So we're just... We're super thrilled to have you on the show, and it's even more appropriate for us because we're here in Central Florida, and, and uh, Johnny is a local guy, went to Dr. Phillips High School, and uh, like myself, is a father of 21-year-old twins. So we have a lot in common, you know, other than the world championship parts. Johnny, I've got to tell you, I'm so lifelong Boston, you know, grew up just outside of Boston, and so lifelong in the blood Red Sox fan, absolutely love that you're on the show. Um, you're, you're now officially back in the good graces of, of my sons, who... <laughs> Um, may have had to tape your shirt together uh, after <laughs> you went and played for the other team. But but we, we love you. Uh, can't thank you enough for the years uh, that you put in and all the, honestly, the blood, sweat, and tears that, that brought a championship back to Boston. So thank you so much for that. You're welcome. And now that uh, MLB is, is back on the schedule, maybe Johnny could come out of retirement. You know what? <laughs> he could do it. The Red he Sox do need him. <laughs> i got to tell you. So, uh, Johnny, versus that traditional interview style uh, that you hear in a lot of podcasts, we love to get right to the point of sharing some great leadership pieces of advice for our audience. So we're going to leave the floor open to you, my friend. What is your thought that rocks? Thoughts that rock. My thought that rocks is enjoy life. That's very simple. Yeah. You have to uh, 
go about your life and understand there's consequences. You know, I grew up in a military household and traveled a lot until I was six years old. And yes, I graduated from Dr. Phillips High School, but I also went to Weingard Elementary and Walker Junior High, and then it turned into Walker Middle. Yep. Um, so I've been in Florida for 40 years and enjoying life. I always strive to be the best. So, I mean, there's so many different phrases you uh, can say, but I believe everybody should strive and do their very best at all times in school. Like, it's okay to be smart. In school, it's okay to fail trying to do a sport, you know? That's yeah. how you learn about yourself. That's how you uh, pick yourself up. And not everybody's going to be a professional athlete, but if you enjoy being around sports, be smart. You can be an agent. You could be someone who takes people on tours around stadiums. There's like so many great things you can do, but number one, you got to enjoy doing it. If you're unhappy with something, it's like, okay, let's move on and let's find something that's going to uh, give my life a perfect meaning. And so, enjoy life. <laughs> Man, it's so it's so simple, you know, with just two words, but yet it, it means a lot. I, I wonder if, you know, you were mentioning a lot of this education that you had before you started playing professionally. Is, uh, is that sort of mantra, the enjoy life? Is that something that you've always had as, as a part of your life, as part of your values? Or is it something that happened to you, some epiphany at some point in your career? Well, growing up as a uh, with my father in the military, I mean, we were always told um, if you're a good person, you do great things, uh, um, good things are going to happen. You know, uh, it's like, don't do anything bad that can get you arrested because you lose your, <laughs> you lose your rights. And yeah. that's, that's how I look at things. And like seeing all the crime going on around right now, it's like, man, my generation would never have thought about doing any of that stuff because you um, you lose your rights as a citizen, and it takes you a long time to get it back. But it seems like nowadays that's not um, feasible. Yeah, so yeah. I always was like, be a good person, um, help help your neighbor, help your community, and hopefully you can. Uh, you know, expand on that and let people see the positive attitude that you have and the respect and humility. And I mean, everything's going to be great. Strive to be your best and try to make everybody around you the best. And that's a good reason why clubhouses are so great and so diverse. And because you, come together, you work together, yeah. you pool together, you try to win championships together. So that's, you know, that's enjoying life, bringing people together, forming a strong team so you can succeed at all times. So I'm curious, Johnny, how maybe, you know, throughout your journey of 
sort of playing in the minor leagues before you become a superstar, before you become a household name where everybody knows who you are, um, where they literally can just look at a picture of you and they know that it's you. How did that, how did that change for you enjoying life? Maybe, you know, before you make it to the bigs before, you know, when you're slumming around on the, on the buses and, uh, you know, living off of whatever you can in the moment, how did you transition from enjoying life during that time where you're not the, you know, the international superstar that everybody knows now? Well, it's kind of crazy. I mean, there were uh, reports of me um, playing baseball in Central Florida and a couple of newspaper articles. And then um, I was supposed to go number one in the 92 draft. I struggled. And, you know, that struggle like, helped me um, battle back and fight to show people how great I was. So I ended up going number 35 um, to the Royals. And it was newspapers and all that stuff. And I knew I had to uh, turn pro. I signed with the University of Florida. Uh, We didn't have much money. My parents had bills. Um, I got a nice signing bonus. And my facial recognition is easier to... Um, see then a lot of people it's a it's a different look um you know my mother's from thailand and so a lot of people recognize my face like my first day i got called up to the big leagues i had to drive from wichita to kansas city and i had cars following me like once they like saw me they're like i'm glad you're here and it's like it's a very recognizable face and like even in boston it was Um, obviously winning the World Series makes everyone uh, love you. So if I stopped at a gas station in Boston and I'm the only person there, in the matter of me filling up my tank, there would be 10 other cars there, like people just driving by and stopping or people stopping on the street. So um, I understood it because I knew when I went out in public that I am – I'm out there, yeah, you know, yeah. so, and that's why a lot of times I do stay at home. I mean, I love people and stuff, but I also love uh, hanging out at home, swimming, hanging out with the family. And, you know, that's baseball gave me that um, luxury. And I know when I go out that there's a lot that can, you know, you know, a lot of people are going to come up, want to take pictures and all that good stuff. And I totally understand that. And I'm very gracious about it. Yeah, I was going to say, enjoying life must look different now, right? I mean, before sort of before everybody knew who you were, you could go to the movies, you could go out to dinner and and enjoy just the time with friends or family. But now, enjoying life has to look a little bit different when you can't really go anywhere without somebody looking at you and going, "Oh my God, that's Johnny Damon." <laughs> yeah, but it's also very cool. I I feel like I created a very strong fan base. Number one, I think people respect the way that I play the game. Yep. Number two, I feel like people also respect me because I um, never complained about anything. I just, like, when I got beat up, I mean, baseball is a failure sport. Yeah. So your best swing can turn into a line drive to the first baseman, and your worst swing can turn into a bloop double down the left field line. So I understood that. I understood the pitcher, yeah, I'm trying to beat him every single time. Yep. And guess what he's trying to do? Yeah. He's trying to beat every single time. So I, I get it. And 
because it's a failure sport, I think a lot of people, um, like baseball, we have tough people. We have tough characters. And, you know, I got called every name in the book at every stadium I went to, <laughs> every single game. And, I mean, am I going to complain about it? No, I'm going to, like, try to um, show them and try to, get them on my side and show them the way that I play the game. And so many people um, taking their kids um, to watch me play baseball and the fathers, um, you know, it's very emotional. The fathers always said, watch how this guy plays uh, baseball. He plays it the right way. You know, sometimes things don't work out, but you know what? He plays it the right way. He doesn't complain. And he just tries to get after it, and he brings his teammates together. Um, he enjoys himself. Um, I mean, it's very easy to not enjoy playing Major League Baseball with um, all that stuff I mentioned, being yelled at, the yeah. struggles, all that stuff. And I think that's why a lot of kids are quitting a lot sooner because they don't know how to battle. You know, there's a lot of great athletes out there, and – you just have to learn how to pick yourself up and worst case get your social skills in order because it can take you a very long way, whether it's working at a job. Um, the, the numbers like for women, um, 62% of women CEOs played college sports. Yeah. 95% of women CEOs at least played some type of sports when they were younger. Mm. I mean, it's, it's like amazing. You know, the camaraderie, um, the, uh, being able to talk to each other and get through problems. I think that's a big issue that we are dealing with in society right now is because, um, you're supposed to think one way and it's like, no, we're all individuals. Like, if we can talk about how everybody feels, then we can take the next step. But yeah. when you're called wrong on every time you mention something, it's, you know, it's very, nothing's going to get done. So hopefully in the era we're living in now, hopefully we can uh, listen on every side and like figure it out just like we do as a team. Like if there's an issue, we deal with it face-to-face, and, you know, and that's why and how you create championship teams. Like, we need to create a championship America. Well, and it's also why sports is so critical in society. I mean, a lot of people who don't involve themselves in any type of sport, unless they physically can't for some reason, I think that they're probably missing out. And, and, you know, I'm so happy that you said that and, and you turned toward something that's a little bit more topical, you know, part of your life, it sounds like you had great parents, great education, great upbringing. But at some point you also made a choice based off of your own values to enjoy life, to be intentional with your happiness, to be positive. You know, that, that doesn't happen by accident. You, you've got to make that, that decision to say, this is how I'm going to behave. And that leads to sustained happiness. And, you know, I guess maybe on the surface on, you know, when you, when you look at your life in your world, you, you seem like you already are enjoying life. You, you already are very happy, but what kind of advice would you give to people that maybe are struggling that are listening right now, our fan base who 
maybe they're not in the headspace. And maybe this happened before we got into the current situation that we're in in the country. What advice would you give to other people to be able to enjoy life? Um, yeah, well, I was uh, very fortunate to have been zoned for Dr. Phillips. Um, no, I had to battle. I mean, I grew up in a pretty good neighborhood. I mean, small homes and stuff like Sky Lake South and Whisper Lakes. And mm-hmm. um, the sc- schools that I went to, Weingard Elementary and Walker, I mean, they weren't considered, they're not considered great schools now or then, but I also knew that I am responsible for paying attention in class and um, getting good grades. I mean, it, it didn't matter. I like Obviously, there are better schools I could have gone to, but, you know, it was a tough school, a bunch of great kids, and, you know, we... Most of us got along all the time, and I I say uh, you're in control of your destiny, and yeah. um, if you you have to sacrifice something, um, like sacrifice um, doing better at school, that's going to help you um, get better grades, and that's going to help you get to um, be able to play sports. I mean, if you don't have good grades, you can't play sports. So I always had that in the back of my mind going, well, I need to make sure I have better than a 1.5, which, um, for me, yeah. I worked too hard to not be, have that. So I ended up with like a three, five, three, six, not the greatest, but you know, I, I did what I could. And, um, I feel like you do whatever you could in, Anything, like yeah. whatever you could to um, be a better person, to be a better neighbor, to yeah. bring your community together. Like everybody could do a little bit better, and no doubt, like that's what we all need to do. Like you, you know, you don't have to go absolutely. Uh, um, like people have lives, but whatever you can do to inspire um, a friend. A person who may not like you, any way you can inspire them, I feel like that's uh, very important. And I was inspired by, um, you know, by PE coach at Florida Elementary, Mike Simolo. Um, We still text each other to this day. Um, I still play golf with uh, one of my high school baseball coaches, uh, Coach Mike Barefoot. I see a few of my... uh, like I still hang out with my friends I grew up with, you know, I'm yeah. playing baseball and the big issue that we are coming up with now is playing sports is so expensive. I mean, it cost me $20 to be able to play baseball. If I was growing up in this era, I would have to be um, looked at at a local park where scouts don't necessarily go. Um, but if they see a kid throwing a ball on the side of the, feel like I do or running as fast as I did. That's the only way I would have got that opportunity. And now it costs over a thousand dollars and then you have to change your equipment and baseball shoes are only good on baseball fields. And that's why basketball shoes uh, are sold a lot more than baseball shoes and cleats. And that's why you have your uh, star top athletes because you know, you can wear their shoes everywhere, and they're yeah. superstars, and people love them. And it's like baseball shoes. It's like, okay, 
I can only put them on a couple hours a week. Yeah. I guess, Johnny, one of my questions would be, I mean, obviously you grew up in a, in a pretty structured household. Your values get established fairly early, sort of even just being part of a military family. How does it work when, you know, obviously for, for me growing up in New England, you know, you, you play for one of the iconic teams, you win a world championship, uh, you know, after so many years of losing and it comes down to a point where you decide you're going to leave and you're going to go play for another team. My, my question is you've endeared yourself. You, you know how Boston fans are, um, you you've sort of become this this cult hero uh, for for the community, and you decide for whatever reason that 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 what's going to be best for you and your family is to go play elsewhere. Now, how do you enjoy life? I'm curious what your life must have been like at that time, because for all of the positives that came out of you leaving Boston and going and winning another championship and, and, and continuing your career. How do you deal with the people who may be upset that you left? They're not really considering what's best for you or your family or anything like that at all. How do you enjoy life when you know there are people who are not giving you a fair, sh- a fair shake um, of thinking about what's yeah. best for you? Yeah, well, I want to let you know and all the Boston fans know that I was totally crushed i mean i thought i was going to be there a lot longer yeah they told me to buy a house i'm going to be there for a long time and at the time your team was the only one who talked to you six weeks after the season because you're a free agent yeah there was that one conversation um and i mean at the end of the day just say jacoby ellsbury is one year away we can really only take you for one year. Yeah. I mean, just, just spill it out. You yeah. know, let's be honest. Yeah. And so there was no offer to me until after I agreed with the Yankees and I asked Detroit first and they said, we would love to have you, but we're going to give a young kid named Curtis Grandison a shot. I tried for mm-hmm. the LA Dodgers and there really weren't too many teams out there. Yeah. And, I was like, I wanted baseball to remain very important, and Boston pushed me to that limit. And as you can see, nobody leaves Boston happy. Whether <laughs> That's it's true, it's true. Uh, whether it's yeah. uh, Mo Vaughn, you know, Mike Greenwell, a yeah. couple guys had to retire. Uh, there was John Lester. Like, there's all this stuff that um, goes on behind the scenes, and yeah. it really stinks for the players because you put your heart and soul in the Red Sox. And then all of a sudden it's like, wow, I've got to put my heart and soul into the pinstripes and the yeah. Yankees. And I'm going, wow, it's very difficult. Yeah. And it's not fun. You know, it was tough to enjoy my life sometimes because I gave everything to the Red Sox and then you go back yeah. and you're being called every name in the book. Hmm. I think if you um, do that stuff now, uh, you, you're um, it, like, you just don't see that. Yeah. Um, there was so so much hatred, and I was like, man, I just play baseball. Yeah. You know, I, <laughs> I wish I could stay out. I would have been in Boston forever, and I tried. But as you know, young players come up, the Ellsbury's of the world, and then the Mookie Betts, you know, the reason why um, Ellsbury was free to 
head to New York. You know, there's uh, um, uh, Jackie Bradley Jr. So there's going to be somebody who's going to uh, push Jackie Bradley out soon. And so it's um, it's hard for the fans because they're going to root for their team forever. And unfortunately, us players, um, we move on. And uh, yeah. we try to get to a better place. And um, for me, I made the most out of being in New York. Yep. You know, and I feel like both places are amazing to play at. And I couldn't tell you which one's better. I mean, yeah. that's, they both meant so much to me and my family and my life. Well, listen, I, you know, I think we both know that that it's the double-edged sword of playing in Boston <laughs> is that uh, yeah. they love you, but man, they also hold you to, to uh, a standard and a certain expectation that is unfair um, at, at best at times, I think. But, um, you know, I think that comes it, really the New York culture is, is not much different, right? I mean, it's sort of that same idea that, you are going to do whatever you can do for the team. And when you win, everything is okay. And when you struggle, everybody wants to poke holes and it's, it makes it really, really tough to enjoy life when, when that is the case. But, uh, as I said, you know, I, I, I'm glad you said something. Honestly, that to me for, for Boston fans, it's just something that means the world to us that, um, that that's really where you were and what you wanted. And for you, that was what you thought was going to happen. But we all know that business is business. And, and sometimes, um, you know, the team makes decisions that, that the fans aren't, uh, in support of, uh, often. And they, uh, <laughs> you know, did it for a very, very long time. And when you get somebody, the caliber of you, um, not just as a player, but as a human being, um, you know what we, we want to hold on. We want to, to say, right. gosh, he's a great baseball player, but he's just a great guy, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's, that's something that we need for our community. That's something that's going to unite people. Even when we lose, uh, is that yep. you've got guys that you just know are good guys. And it's so hard these days that I think the, the skill set gets so much. Uh, obviously, you want someone who can play well, but you've got to have the guys who can unite the locker rooms and unite the communities and, you know, speak up for, for the things that matter to the people uh, who support your teams. And and for me, that's who you were. Um, that's who you continue to be. Regardless of where you play. That's right. And so I, I feel like... Um, you know, uh, it's unfortunate that you you sort of got a lot of that flack when it, it really wasn't deserved on your part by any way, shape, or form. So, it, it's okay though. I mean, I, I I could deal with it. You know, every time there was a issue or a loss that our team had, I was always there for the reporters, and I always blamed myself for why we lost the game because I can take it. I do not want. Um, anybody else to, you know, I'll, I'll take the blame and you know what we roll the next day and you know what, it's okay to take responsibility, even though it's, uh, not yours. I just want to make sure that, you know, my brothers in the clubhouse, they, uh, it's easier on them. And yeah. it seems like anytime I left the team, I mean, stuff started happening, like, uh, whether it was in Boston and New York, it's like the glue um, got old and yeah. you start, um, go, yeah, it's things start breaking a little yeah. bit. And it's like, I felt like I was that glue that could any locker room together. Yeah. Well, it goes all the way back again to 
your values and your mindset and, you know, enjoying life regardless of where you went. It's probably not fun, to, obviously, to be a part of a team that might have a losing season, but you're not going to change who you are and you're still going to be passionate and committed and, and give it your all. Uh, I was thinking earlier when, when I first saw your thought, you know, I used to work for Hard Rock. I ran our training and development team there and I had a small group that would go with me when we would go do an opening um, whether it was a cafe, a hotel, casino, I had this group of people and we teach the, the new staff and the new managers about the hard rock. And again, we would go to dozens of countries together and I would get so frustrated. Our team would, when we would hear something you know, that was a pushback from, let's say the country itself, maybe we couldn't do something cause it was against the law or maybe one of the franchisees or the joint venture people had made a decision and they saw it differently than than what we wanted to teach and you know we we learned to say this phrase it is what it is and we actually had an inside joke about it we would say it in spanish we would say it in you know in portuguese we'd say it you know in a bunch of different languages one of the first things that we learned and the reason was i felt like we had run up against a brick wall. We weren't going to make any change here. And I said that phrase to a friend of mine, Lynn Smith, one time, and she said, I hate when you say that. That's stupid. It, it's, it is what you will allow it to be. It isn't what it is. And it kind of goes back to your thought. If you just think, I'm going to will my life into happiness, I will enjoy life, it will be so. Not, not saying you're not going to come up with some adversity or some obstacles, but it is such a great Again, I, I call it a mantra. I think it's this great phrase, this great thought to live your life by. And then, you know, whatever comes your way, you're going to be able to overcome it a whole lot easier just because you've got that that disposition. Yeah, it's. I had a really bad stuttering problem as a kid. Was teased about it, but guess what? I was going to do what I could to be better. And yeah, there's some days that I continue to stutter on certain words but you know what um i step up you know i'm a man and i'm going to uh face the challenge and make sure that i um spoke up for uh um the stuttering association to talk to them sometimes and say hey i slowed down i listen to music i know what words i'm going to say now um before there was just my mind's going a million miles an hour and it's very difficult and I try to help out as many people as I can. Yeah. I like we are all, um, the human race and, you know, you try to lift each other up as much as you can. You know, you, um, the only people you dislike are bad people <laughs> is yeah. at the end of the day, there's no, uh, um, color race, um, religion, you know, yep. I don't judge by that. It's, if you're a bad person, it's like, okay, we're just not going to be around each other. Right. Exactly. Well, listen, man, we can't thank you enough for spending some time with us. Yeah. Um, you are, uh, uh, one of, one of our heroes and, and just so incredibly thankful that you took some time to, to share with us today, um, a little bit about your journey and just how you've continued to, to be a superstar long after your baseball career has ended. And, um, I think comeback. That's what I think. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. His knees might, <laughs> his knees might have some, something to say with that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, if they have uh, 30 players now, I'm sure I can uh, 
snake out there, but uh, <laughs> you know the journey continues. The yeah. journey continues to uh, improve people's lives, to improve our lives, and to learn and to on understanding. But yeah, we have to ask questions and we have to get answers. Yeah, yep, and no doubt. The biggest thing is uh, all answers are not going to be the same, right. and we all have to understand that. And I hope real soon we can get get there. And you know, it's going to take some time. Like yeah. stuff doesn't happen overnight, like we want it to. And what it seems like in the history books, well, this happened, and um, the U.S. won the war. No, it <laughs> took time. Hopefully, it doesn't take a lot of time, but hopefully, uh, we all can get there as human beings real soon, and you know, figure all this stuff out. Yeah. You bet. You bet. Exactly. Well, listen, man, how can people stay in touch with you? Uh, what's the best way for people to continue to follow you on social media and just and just stay in your life uh, at this point? Well, you know, I do have Twitter and I do have Instagram. I mostly do some Instagram. Uh, lately, it's, it's at Johnny Damon, but lately I just haven't been doing it with just the chaos in the world. Yeah. And, you know, I, you know, I'm raising my family and I'm making sure that they enjoy life as well. And I know some people are struggling out there and I'll, like my, uh, my feelings are struggling and just seeing yeah. what's transpired. But I'm, you know, trying to make sure my kids have the same model that I do is go out there, enjoy life and, yeah. Um, I'll, I'll watch out after you and I'll going to teach you how to be a great person. And they all seem to be pretty good kids. So I'm, I'm very happy where I am. That's awesome. Well, you're one of the good guys, man. We're, we're so thankful. We will, uh, definitely have all of that information in the show notes for everybody to check it out. And, uh, we're just going to keep watching you on your journey, man. You're an inspiration. And again, so easy. Enjoy life. If more people did it, it'd be a much different world. That's for sure. Thanks, Johnny Damon, for spending some time with us. You are so awesome. Thanks, brother. My pleasure, guys. Thank you very much. Talk to you soon. Rock on. Hey, rock stars. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe so you don't ever miss an episode. Yeah, and if you're interested in having Brant or me or both of us speak at your event, whether as a webinar for a virtual event or in person as a conference keynote, Contact us directly at thoughtsthatrock.com. Until next time, rock rock on. on!